Let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we sing those words, I pray that they would uh, penetrate within us, that we've done nothing, we can do nothing to be right with you, to have peace with God. But thanks be to God, you sent your son and his work on the cross, his finished work, it is complete. It's paid our ransom. So we can live in peace with you and with one another. Uh, Today I do, as I'm talking about peace, I pray for peace. Peace amongst brothers and sisters in this church. Peace amongst brothers and sisters in other churches. Peace amongst those who do not know you, that we may be your agents of peace and and your peace known in this world. I pray specifically for brothers and sisters, and they are brothers and sisters uh, in Egypt who lost their lives as they were worshiping. Uh, May we not take that for granted, the freedom to worship, but also may we not take it for granted, brothers and sisters across the world who do sacrifice uh, much more. They they sacrifice their their safety uh, just to go to a house of worship. Pray for the families and loved ones. Pray for this world. We know that the Prince of Peace will come again. Jesus, I pray you'll come soon. Thank you for this day and for this week. Thank you most of all for your work on the cross in your name. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful again to our our worship team. And uh, as I prayed, and and you may know or you may not know, there was, I think, close to to 40 Worshippers were killed in Egypt this morning, or the morning over there. Uh, two churches uh, were bombed. So I would just remind us uh, to keep the global church and brothers and sisters in Christ across the world in our prayers, and specifically those, those churches there. I, let me just say this, and I was, uh, as I was seeing the news, and I was trying to get on Twitter to see what people said about it, uh, somebody posted a picture of one of the police officers who uh, apparently wrestled a guy or attacked a guy, and he, this police officer died. But there was supposedly another uh, church that was targeted, and so he saved um, you know, the lives and this bomb going off. Anyway, point being said, I saw his picture, and he was eating, and somebody put up a picture, you know, just of him having dinner. And that's a person. That's a life. That's a, that's a story. Um, and so everybody... It's a reminder to me that everybody has a story, and we kind of see the news and hear the news and think in generalities, uh, but these are people whom God loves uh, and whom God is with. So let us remember that today. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. Before we read that, This is still Lent. Uh, Lent is a season leading up to Good Friday, preparing us for Good Friday and for Easter. We've been doing a series throughout Lent that we call Eight Blessings for Seven Sins. So basically it's on the seven deadly sins. And I say eight blessings because it's actually going to go into the Sunday after Easter. But we've covered uh, pride, greed, envy, lust was last week if you missed, and Today is uh, wrath, covering wrath. 
Today is also Palm Sunday. So I want to read this passage of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And it does connect with wrath. And we'll see. So Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, how would that passage uh, tie into wrath? Well, the idea that many Jews and a few of his disciples had was that Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem, they believed he was king, they believed he was Messiah, but they thought that when he entered, he would come in as a warrior, that he would enact a military political force, and conquer, and that they would literally and viscerally see the wrath of God talked about in the prophecy. And how did he enter? On a donkey, not even a horse. I mean, not even like a stallion, you know, you can, a donkey. And this passage and others in the gospel say that he came in Humble. Humble. Came in as a humble servant. Because uh, often the opposite of wrath and wanting to strike out and what I like saying, stand on your dignity, make your case heard. Opposite is humble, humility. So today we're talking about wrath and we tie each sin of the seven deadly sins to a beatitude which is what Jesus was saying on the Sermon of the Mount, blessed are. So today's is Matthew 5, verse 9. We'll put it up on screen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Or some translations call it children of God. So the opposite of wrath would be a peacemaker. Someone who brings peace. Someone who works for peace. Someone who is actively engaged in trying to make peace. And today I'm going to use a lot of other passages to talk about peace and what is a peacemaker. Uh, But let me say this. I think there's, and you could say this at many points in history, but there's really no more optimal time for Christians to be agents of peace. To be peacemakers. You seek wrath and conflict Everywhere. 
Or at least I see it. And I think if you think about it, you could see it too. Uh, We see it between individuals. We see it between friends. We see it between former friends. We see it in families. We see it in nations. And if you look in your heart, you'll see wrath and conflict there. Uh, You may say, no, I'm a peacemaker. Let me use an example for me. So I have to fight against wrath all the time. Uh, The classic example that that does happen often is with my son, Logan. Okay? And it's not wrath, like, towards him, I get mad at him. It's, It's actually towards others who may look at him or say something about him. And you're like, how do people do that? Well, I'll give you a story. We were coming in from India, actually from Dubai, Coming in, well, actually from Houston. So we were coming into Jackson Airport. Uh, Cherry, where's Cherry? Cherry's there. You remember, we were coming in, we were landing. We are all tired, jet-lagged. And so the family was, you know, real glad to see us and everything. And, and uh, kids were jumping up and down. And um, I was jumping up and down, you know, just glad to be home. And, and we were going in to get our bags at baggage claim. So Logan, I mean, he, and he gets excited. I mean, if you know him, he, he can get fired up. I mean, his... his Autism is, is just like times 10 everything, okay? And he was getting really excited. He was jumping around. Well, he bumped into, you know, accident. I mean, you know, when you jump around, I guess like a monkey, you know, you bump into people. He bumped into this young lady getting her bags, and she was in an ill mood, okay? And she looked at him and was like, something like, hey, don't you do that? Or, and then she kind of looked at me. I was close by. And, you know, I could see, you know, what she was thinking. Basically, like, man, he stinks as a dad. <laughs> I mean, his parents stink. I mean, getting their kid running around. I mean, not knowing anything of the situation. You know, kind of a roll of the eyes. I mean, you want to, I mean, I asked Linda. I mean, is steam coming out of my ears right now? Um, I mean, you want to see wrath. I'm close. What do I do? Uh, I actually end up picking him up. And I do follow this lady a bit, like right behind her and like kind of stare down. But don't say anything. And that has happened numbers of, of times. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But that's my, I guess, that's my, my weak spot. It's my weak spot. I, I, I know the wrath within me. It's there. So, I think Christians, I know Christians... We are called to be totally different from everything else, everyone else in the world in creation. A Christian is, has a different outlook. A Christian should have a different, a new heart. A new heart. We're to be different. We're to be peacemakers. And it's different from the rest of the world because the rest of the world is all standing on their dignity and saying, how can I make things right for me and mine? And we're called to be different. We We are. And it only comes from a new heart. Now, being a peacemaker is also, let's say this, a highly theological statement. Now, I can say that, and y'all would say, man, that's too deep for me. I mean, theology, I mean, a lot of us don't like that word. I mean, the, the, the words, you may not know what it means. But you hear it, theology is like, man, I mean, it's deep. I mean, just give me some practical stuff. I mean, pragmatic. And so when we think that, and I do too, we're very much similar to a lot of people through history. And a lot of folks have said, don't. Give me theology. Just give me how to be right, moral, 
ethics teaching like the Sermon on the Mount. And, and many people, Christians and non-Christians, have said, I really like the teachings of Jesus, but getting down to theology, or here's another word, doctrine, uh, man, come on. I mean, that's kind of past that. I just want to know how to act and live in this world. Well, what I'm saying to you is often we do theology all the time. It's basically just talking about God. And also, this is a highly theological statement because if you look at the world, if you look at human relationships, if you look at conflict, if you look at wrath, you have to say there is a problem. And there is. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is sin. Where does sin come from? Sin comes from the heart. Jesus said, let's put Matthew 15, 18 through 19 up there. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. So what's the answer? What's the antidote? You've got to have a new heart. It's not outward action. It's not saying, well, do this. It's not a five-step, it's not a five-step plan. It's a new heart that only the Holy Spirit can give because of what Jesus has done. So I want to talk about what is a peacemaker. I want to talk about what a peacemaker looks like on the inside, what a peacemaker looks like on the outside. So first off, what is a peacemaker? If you're taking notes, I've actually got a lot of points. I'm going to use a lot of scripture to see how the Bible ties into this. What is a peacemaker? Well, first, it's not a natural disposition. We've already talked about that. I mean, wrath is, it's in me, it's in you, whether you admit it or not, it's in all of us. It's not a natural disposition. But also, let me add this, it is not a, uh, man, just easygoing, go with the flow, Um, you know, man, it's cool, Um, peace at all costs. That's not a peacemaker either in in the Bible. Because to be like that, you really don't have a seriousness of sin, uh, you don't have a seriousness of, of justice. Uh, if you read, we were at a conference this week, and uh, we're talking, teaching through Galatians. Galatians 1, go back and read, you know, you talk about a peacemaker, Paul, who wrote so much about peace. Galatians 1, he says, if anyone preaches a false gospel, even angels in heaven, let them be accursed. <laughs> okay? I curse you if you come at me or others with a false gospel which a lot of them are floating around. So it's not like, hey, just peace at all costs. And live it, let live. It's not a peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? Well, even if you say that, and I think Paul could get a little fired up, a peacemaker has a, is not quarrelsome. I mean, their nature is peaceable. So number one, what is a peacemaker? It's just peaceable, like not quarrelsome. Not trying to stir the pot, not trying to pick a fight. Just a peaceable person. I mean, not quarrelsome. What else is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is actively seeking peace. Like, you can have that disposition, but then you actively seek peace. So a peacemaker does not say, well, I'm just going to let sleeping dogs lie. And uh, just, a peacemaker goes out, sometimes to the suffering maybe of themselves because of how someone else may react, and actively is trying to make Peace. And then third, a peacemaker, and this is, I think, most important, a peacemaker is ultimately concerned. 
that all people should have peace with God. And that happens by the cross. So what's a peacemaker, generally speaking? I mean, one, your disposition, peaceable. You're just not quarrelsome. You actively try to make peace. So, I mean, I'm not going to let sleeping dogs lie. I love that phrase. And then you are, you desire all people to have peace with God. What's that look like on the inside? Because it's different, the inside and the outside. Let's, let's start with the inside. What does it look like on the inside? First point, and this is going to be a tough one. Tough one for me, it's going to be a tough one for you. You have to have a new view of yourself. A peacemaker has a different view of themselves. Like, what are you talking about? Well, you have to die or put to death self-interest. You have to kind of forget self. You have to say, I'm not concerned about my rights or getting my due or how this affects me. Which is the opposite of most people. It's uh, the opposite of my natural, me, my natural disposition. To be a true peacemaker, be a godly peacemaker, be a Christian peacemaker, you first have to have a new view, it's like, and this comes from a new heart, a new view of yourself. All right, what's this view look like? And this is where it's tough. This new view, it's radical, and the gospel's radical, Christianity's radical. I don't deserve anything. I actually deserve death and hell. So everything I get is a gift and a blessing and grace from God. You have to have the view of yourself, and it's even harder. I'm wretched. I'm wretched. Like, man, why are you you saying that? Let's look at the Bible, what Jesus and Paul says. Jesus first, John 12 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever, what's that word say? Whoever, hey, is that strong? This is, this is not me, this is Jesus speaking. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, Jesus is talking about, you got to go back. Peacemaker, new outlook, new heart. So there are, in every Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, there, there are two people floating around, okay? And this is not like, and look, I've, I've dealt with like bipolar stuff and all that. I mean, not me. I don't think so. Maybe you might debate that. But I'm, there's like two people running around in there, if you're a Christian. It's like, I'm a Christian, been baptized. And a great question for you to consider, if you are a Christian, is, you know, do you hate your life? Do you hate your natural life? Because the two dudes... Or girls floating around, there's the natural man or woman, and there's the Christian man or woman. And so what Jesus is talking about here is, you've got to hate the natural man. You're going to say, I am finished with you. I'm finished with you. You have a new heart and a new outlook and a new life. Paul says it. Let's go to Paul. We've already seen, he's telling others we're a curse. Well, now he curses himself. Romans 7, 24 through 25. There's that word, a wretched, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. A new view of self is saying, I don't deserve anything. I, I mean, it's all by grace. My grace was saved. and man, I'm, just, I'm thankful. And, I mean, it's, 
it's not all like bad. I mean, you, you smile because you've been given so much. And we daily have to put that natural self filled with the natural seven deadly sins, all of them, to death. And rely on the grace of Christ. We haven't done it. He did. And say, man, I'm finished with you. And you're given. You're given. You, you can't attain it. A new heart. That's salvation. It's given. It's grace. That's the, whole, that's the gospel. The false gospel is, oh, I can get it. I can like look good or I can send out some good devotions or I can you know, lead a group or I can be a good example or witness or do a good Easter egg hunt or be active in church or be, you know, whatever. The new life, the salvation, the gospel is like, it's a new heart. And we daily, we still got the two people. And this one is tied up in wrath and he's in me. And he, I don't know if he'll fully be put to death until the Lord returns or I see him. I don't know, but I got to try every day. New view of self, new view of others, okay? What's a peacemaker look like on the inside? So you got a new view of yourself, and you also have a new view of other people. Probably, well, what is this? Well, who has folks who are just difficult in their life, okay? Difficult. Who has folks who just, man, they, they irritate you, okay? Who has folks that are, man, they're just, like, they're evil. And you got some evil brothers and sisters? They're, like, they're evil, Okay. Now, there's a difference there. I think you can have some evil folks and difficult folks. But then I actually do think you have some evil people running around. Possibly, or unfortunately, maybe in your life. Now, how do we look at them? How do we look at everybody, okay? And sometimes, I don't know, the difficult people, you may say, man, everybody's evil. You may just say like this. <laughs> just put them all in that boat. We don't talk about them like they're difficult. We don't talk about them like they're irritable. We don't talk about them like they're evil, even though I just did. Okay, So we don't do that. We don't do that. But I want to try to make the point that the new view of others is that they, um, this is tough too, but it's biblical. Maybe tough for you to hear. They're following the God of this world. The God of this world is not Jesus or God the Father. They are, like I said, they're a dupe of Satan. Seriously. And they may not even realize, they probably don't realize it. I mean, do you want to be a dupe of Satan? I don't. And I, and I, I have been. Put up another verse. Not from me, from God's word. Ephesians 2, 2 through 3. Now, Ephesians 1 says we were all dead to sin. And it goes on talking about the God of this world. Ephesians 2, verse 2. In which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. The new view of others is not like, oh man, yeah, they're a dupe of Satan. Yeah, and and I'm like, you know, I'm God's child. I'm a peacemaker. No, that's not that at all. And that's not what I'm trying to say. And if that's the message you carry away, then... That actually may be Satan working in you, trying to get you to think differently. What I'm saying is the God of this world is at work. The prince of the power of air is at work. And there's some people who, they may be new Christians, they may be old Christians, but he is constantly, you may be a strong Christian, then you're going to get hit harder. And so we can see people, if we see them differently, with mercy, 
we can pray for, we can begin working for peace. If we see a little bit bigger of a picture than just like interactions that we have with that person. That there, and there, I would do believe there's something bigger going on. It's called spiritual warfare. So you have a new view of yourself. I don't deserve anything. It's all grace. We'll give love. You have a new view of others. They tied up in a knot caused by Satan. And only then can you give mercy, can you pray for. And you have a new view of the world. New view of the world, what do you mean? You do all things in your life. And you have to remind yourself, you have to preach to yourself and not listen to yourself. You do all things for the glory of God. New view of the world is like, okay, I got today. I got, obviously, you know, I'm preaching. Am I... Am I going to do this right? Am I going to give honor to Scripture? Or is it just going to be about me? Am I going to give glory to God? That's why I'm using so much Scripture. Because I'm not going to last. This will. Don't listen to me. Listen to Scripture. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Got these strike on Am I going to do this for the glory of God? Or is this like, you know, am I just kind of coming? Because, oh, man, it's Palm Sunday. I mean, you know, it's kind of, you know, second tier to Easter. But need to come and, hey, get a good feed. See some kids running around, it'll be good for my kids. For the glory of God. Do all things for the glory of God. It takes a new heart. I'm going to keep coming back to that. And if you focus on the external, like, man, you're saying new view of self, new view of the glory of God, it takes a new heart. I can't give that to you. Holy Spirit can. Any moment, any day, any time. That's what it looks like on the inside. What about the outside? This is kind of what we focus on. This is, if you're looking for practical tips or something like that, you know, this is your part of the message. What does it look like on the outside? First, and this is big for us, as Barbie Grace says. Where's Barbie Grace? For us loquacious folks, learn not to speak. How do you be a peacemaker? What does it look like on the outside? Number one. What did I say again? Can we repeat this? Thank you. Anybody, anybody but Neil? Learn not to speak. Okay? As we speak. Learn not to speak. All right, another verse. James 1, 19 and 20. As James so well puts things, if you read James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think, I believe, uh, the best advice I can give for myself, for us to begin to become peacemakers is, Learn not to speak. Learn not to respond. Uh, Learn not to gossip. Uh, Unwholesome, unhealthy things that are said, don't repeat them. Uh, You're really, let me say this, we or we are really not a friend. If you hear something negative about someone you say is their friend and then repeat it to somebody else, you're you're not, let's not call ourselves friends there. Learn not to speak. Some folks will say, okay, well, I'm just expressing myself. Some folks will say, I just call things like I see it. Uh, and, you know, we give, uh, we kind of laud that we're here. We do. We, we give glory to that. Uh, I got a B word for that. I got a B word, okay? Um, then I would, I would say that idea, that mentality is. Let's just, for, for this, this place's sake, I'll just say bogus, okay? That's bogus. But there are other B words I can think of, okay? So, and you might want to use that when someone, I mean, I, that's, I just, hey, I just want to express myself. Give me a break. I just call it like I see it. Bogus. Okay. Another thing, externally. 
do we view every situation in light of the gospel? Uh, all of us probably don't. I know I don't. All right, what do you mean by that? Every situation in light of the gospel. How does it affect other people besides us? See, what we're always thinking of is, well, how does this affect me? Am I going to get my rights taken care of? Am I going to get my dues? Um, I'm going to stand on my dignity. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to call it like I see it. Do we even think about, so we don't just not speak, but we do think. How does it affect others? If you're part of a community, like we're, we're actually part of a community here. How does it affect the mission? How does it affect the church? You're part of other groups. How does it affect the organization? How does it affect the larger community we live in? How does it affect others externally who see things that we might say or might not say, or how we act, how we respond? View every situation in light of the gospel. Okay, don't speak and do think about that. But you've got to take a step further. And this is the tough one. Say, man, I, I, can, I can shut the trap, and I can, uh, I can start really thinking, but this is the tough one. We have to actively, and I said this earlier, we have to actively seek peace. And you're like, what do you mean by that? Well, that means taking steps to peace. Like, what do you mean by that? That means humbling yourself. Here it gets tough. Going to the person, being open, saying, you know, I'm, you can maybe apologize. Do everything physically, literally possible to make peace. So you haven't spoken, you think about how it affects the gospel, and then you, you move in. You know, I'm sorry. I want to. I want to make peace. I mean, you can. You can think about things to say, but I mean, I'd keep it simple. I'm sorry. I want to make peace. I don't want you to hurt. I want you to heal. All of that good stuff, and it's tough. And then I'd say fourth is just spread peace. I mean, that's kind of simple. No, what I mean is like be of a demeanor that, and this comes from a new heart, but that people can approach you. People say, you know, I, I could I could go to that person, and he or she has a New Testament like view of the world and of relationships. Be approachable. Just be lovable where people would want to come. I mean, I think that, that demeanor spreads peace. So there's some outside things, what it looks like. And now most important, I'm going to close with this, okay? This is most important because none of that will happen unless we, we get this. When we said that um, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God, that word children or child, it literally means owned. So if you're a Christian, if you call yourself Christian, then you're owned by God. What would that look like? It's a couple verses. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace, and if you're owned by him, he's the God of peace. And if you're his child, that means he's your dad. And we replicate the Father. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. So he's God of peace. And I'm saying this to us who say, man, I'm Christian. Got that stamp. Okay, then. And your child of God, he owns you. Next verse, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through, not by works, not by looking good, 
Not by status, with our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we get that, then we move to Romans 12. Romans 12, 18, 19. If possible. And Paul does throw in that, if possible. Sometimes it ain't possible. I mean, seriously. I know. We all know. If possible. So far as it depends on you, though. As it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Look at this. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't take wrath on your own, don't take vengeance on your own. The Lord sees all things. He knows we will all stand before Him. As far as it depends on us, make peace. Now then, you're like, okay, if you're owned, but that new heart coming back to it. Because some of you aren't owned. Let me just say that. Some of you aren't. Some of you aren't children of God. Many and others, you, uh, you know people who aren't children of God. So, okay. Why did, God, why did God come? Why did God send Jesus? I want you to think about that for a minute. I know we got the Easter egg hunt. This, there's nothing more important than this. Why did he come? Well, God is a God of peace. God is also holy and just, but he's God of peace. And there's conflict, and there's wrath, and there's war, and there's mess, and there's sin. And it comes from sinful hearts, and it comes from Satan. So God, if he was standing on his dignity, really serious, and this is really the truth. If God just said, I don't stand on my dignity, we'd all be consigned to hell. Okay? But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. God provided a way of salvation who is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. And so we can stop relying on, man, looking good or being good or, and say, man, God has given a way of salvation and it is Jesus and it's by faith alone. It's believe that we're saved. It's a gift. Last two verses. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Don't take my word for it. This is the Bible. This is Scripture. This is biblical teaching. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That would be Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If you don't know that, then you don't know Jesus. You don't know. It's not about ethical teaching. It's not about you know, him being a good example. It's not even about God becoming man and you know, being able to relate. It is about that, that we have to be saved. There, we have a wicked heart. And I'm wretched, okay? And there's that... And so how can, I can't clean this up. I can't wipe away the stain away. Thanks be to God that he said, I'm going to give you a way of salvation. It is Jesus that you can be right with God. You can have peace with God. One other passage, Ephesians 2, 13 through 14. But now in Christ Jesus, that means now not in yourself. That means now not in your good deeds. That means now not in your resume. That means now not in your connections, not in your good mission work, not... Uh, Love you, but seeing y'all not in adopting all these kids, not in anything, not in anything good. No. That's a false gospel. Now, in Jesus Christ, you who were once far off, and that's not just like heathens or Muslims or Hindus. That's like good people nestled in the Bible Belt, too. Who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The gospel's for you, for me, for us. 
For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You may want to get that. Okay. Anyway, I don't mind it. We're pretty loosey-goosey here. Here's the deal. Because, and you know why I say that? Because how we look and how we do is not, does not matter a whip. That matters. Or that matters. As Heidi said, great message, by the way. She said, man, we want to, we want to spread love in this corner. Anybody and everybody. Anybody and everybody. Anybody and everybody was once far off. Anybody and everybody may be far off. So what do you do? You want to talk about invitation. You want to talk about, hey, give me something. You want to talk about receiving salvation. I want you to ask yourself. I want you to really ask yourself, am I a peacemaker? Am I a child of God? So here's how. Finish with self and follow Christ. Let me say that again. Finish with self and follow Christ. Two, realize what he has done to give you peace with God. Not what you have done, not being a good example, not having, man, I got this great testimony and all that. No, no. What he has done so you can have peace with God. And then three, and this is important, the third one. Desire all to have it. Finish with self. Follow Jesus. Realize what he's done. And only him to have peace with God. Desire all to have it. If you have those things, if you're reminded of those things, I would say you're a Christian. If you have those things, if you're reminded of those things, you're killing the natural self moving. If you're doing those things, if you're thinking those things, you're moving to a new heart. The Holy Spirit can give it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is just so much stuff that we get distracted on. And uh, a lot of it looks really good. I just, I just pray for new hearts. I pray that we're not concerned about... I pray we're not concerned about how we look or, or things that um, are being in the, in the right connections or relationships or just doing church. I pray that you would give us a passion that we would know what you have done, that we would rest in you, Jesus. I pray, I pray for myself that I wouldn't use churchy cliches that we've all heard our whole life. And it'd be real. And we desire all to have peace with you. And that does make peacemakers. And the radical stuff that you communicate through your word and through your spirit is so real. And also so powerful. So now, this day, might we do everything for the glory of God. <sighs> Take out of us nasty thoughts and comments. Give us a new heart. I pray you give these people a new heart. I pray we would see. I pray we'd be finished with self and we'd follow Christ. And it is, it is glorious. It is an adventure. Uh, I pray we would see that. Follow you in your name. Amen.